Hello, and welcome to the I Love Splatter podcast, episode three, aka the Splattercast. Adrian and I are flying solo today without our special guest, Heather, but we invite you to join us as we take a trip back to 2009 to talk about Jennifer's Body, directed by Corinne Kusama and written by Diablo Cody. this one over the past couple years because it's had a resurgence when it came out it was panned pretty much universally uh there was a lot of unkind reviews and i'm here to say that i wrote one of them and so uh you know what this happens and this happened this happens sometimes as a film fan and it happens sometimes as a film critic where you see a film and Maybe you're not in the right mood, or maybe something pre-set you up to not like it, or, you know, there's a million different reasons why you might watch a movie, and at the time, you really don't like it. In my case, I really didn't like it, and I wrote a really bad review of it. So if you'd like to read that review, it is on I Love Splatter, and you can uh, type Jennifer's Body in the search bar there and read it. Um, I'm not going to pull it down, because, like, that's how I felt at the time, and I felt that way for a long time because I did not give it another chance uh, for a while. I do like to give movies that I, uh, most times, not all times, but most times I like to give movies that I didn't like a second chance at least, Um, especially if people I know and trust say like, oh no, it's really good and this is why. So I did not give Jennifer's Body a second chance um, until probably about three years ago after I was at Central Cinema doing uh, an intro and a panel before a screening of The Descent uh, with my friends uh, Colleen O'Halloran and Isabella Price. And Isabella loved Jennifer's Body and was talking about how great it was, and I was kind of like, no. <laughs> but, uh, but because of her, I gave it another chance at the time, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's, 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 better. it's better than I had remembered for sure. Um, 
And then I just rewatched it again. And while I don't love it, while I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time, I do think there are a lot of things about it that are really great. And there are a lot of things about it that I did not see, you know, the first time I watched it and that I wasn't looking for the first time I watched it. Um, and that's what I love about film. That's what I love about horror film, all kinds of film, but horror film in particular, there's uh, almost always something deeper going on than just what's on the surface. And in this case, you had a woman writer, Diablo Cody, and a woman director, Corinne Kusama, and together I think they made something that really does break out of the tropes of horror films. It really does break out of... Um, a lot of things that movies do, but in particular, like the the female gaze, the you know, <laughs> the female gaze is just so different than the male gaze. Now, the problem with Jennifer's body and the reason that um, it failed miserably when it came out is because the studio was marketing it to teenage boys. And this is not a movie for teenage boys. This is so far from a movie for teenage boys. This is a movie for women and girls. Like this is a feminist horror film. This is not the sexy, you know, uh, Megan Fox vehicle that they sold it as. If you look at the poster, like it's her in like her cheerleader outfit, which they've like really shrunk. And you know, I actually think she's wearing like the schoolgirl outfit with like the plaid skirt and the tied up white shirt you know and the high heels and she's leaning over her little school desk i think she has like an apple or something um and the trailer is all like scenes of her naked or nearly naked um they really also give away a lot in the trailer which i i i hate when they do that um but like if you hadn't seen the movie before and you saw the trailer you you would be learning a lot of stuff that I think is more fun to learn as a surprise while you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's really, uh, you know, not for teenage boys. And I will get into that a little bit more uh, as we talk about the film. And uh, I also um, wanted to talk about um, how when it came out, because it was marketed so heavily to to teen boys and and to men as this thing that it was not, uh, both Megan Fox and Diablo Cody got just tons of backlash online. So this is still kind of the early days of social media becoming a thing, but -hmm. it was still there and they just got attacked. I mean, they got death threats, they got called all kinds of names, um, (laughs) which is, you know, like as women, like, we're just used to it, but it's, ah, uh, we shouldn't be. And it's just, like, such a, um, I don't know. Adrian, help me out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you say about that kind of behavior? Like, I don't even yeah. know. It's, I mean, it's just, it's sad because, in a way, it's exactly what the movie is talking about. <laughs> it's talking about, like, uh, you know, if you, if you hurt someone because of just what they are, or how they look, you know, you're either going to break them or you're going to turn them into a monster. I mean, that's those aren't the only two options, obviously, but that's kind of like what it, this movie boils it down to, you know? And so it's just funny that, like, they made this whole thing about just trying to, like, be yourself and find your way and, you know, be bold. And then the exact reaction is what you see in the movie in, in like, a 
the, the movie's version is this, you know, dramatic satanic thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the same it's the same idea. And it's weird because I in 2009, like I missed it. I missed this movie when it came out cuz I was out of college, living in Seattle, very poor. We didn't have internet. I mean, actually we stole internet sometimes from Steamworks, the gay bathhouse that was behind our apartment. <laughs> yeah. Thanks Steamworks. Um <laughs> love you. Uh, hope that you survived the pandemic. But um, so like I was not and I didn't have like a super smart phone or anything. So I just kind of missed this. I didn't have money to go to like movies all the time and just was not paying attention. Like I was just trying to survive. Um, but so the the idea, I, I, I guess why I'm saying that is it's just fascinating to me how different my world is and Twitter and all these things, which was already existing back then. And I just like had no idea. But yeah, it's just, it's just bizarre. Like in what, I still cannot wrap my head around to this day why someone would be angry at an actor or a director for making a thing. Like it's not, it just blows my mind. And it's so disingenuous. It's obviously not about the movie. Yeah, and like, and carrying that through to people that like the movie, you know, like, even, uh, and this is, you know, not the more things change, the more they stay the same, because this is, you know, still happens now. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about like, I I don't get attacked like that often, thankfully, Mm -hmm. but I know women that do get attacked all the time or get questioned all the time. Yeah. But there was one time when I tweeted about, uh, terminator dark fate and (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i just was like why isn't anybody talking about how kick-ass the women are in this film this is a great film yeah and a sci-fi convention happened to retweet it and then i just got slammed with messages from men that were like because it sucked or you know (laughs) just like (laughs) because you obviously don't know what a good movie is what the hell? <laughs> you know, and and like and a couple of them even said, "Well, I didn't see it, but I know it's awful." <laughs> and I was just like, mm-hmm. "I I don't know how to respond to that. Like, I don't know what you want me to say to you. I mean, obviously, you don't really want me to say anything, but right, except like you're right. You know, obviously, that's all they want. They want somebody to say like, "Oh, you're so right. Yeah, yeah, I was completely in error. That's it's actually not a good movie." Mm-hmm. Um. But it's, you know, I don't know, like, I honestly do not know if I had the awareness that this was directed by a woman at the time that I saw it. Right. I may not have. I know that I knew it was written by Diablo Cody because I was really into Diablo Cody. And I was, I really loved Juno. And I still love Juno despite, you know, some of the kitschy language. But I mm-hmm. was uh, really into Diablo Cody. I was really into her story. I was really championing her as um, a new voice in Hollywood. And so I think that for me, like maybe I put too many expectations on on it because of that. Um, yeah. And that colored my view. But just to talk a little bit about Jennifer's body, if you have never seen it, um, it is about uh, two girls in high school and – uh, one is named Jennifer, obviously played by Megan Fox, and she is best friends with Needy, <laughs> which is a nickname that makes me shrug a little bit, but, you know, whatever, right. uh, played by Amanda Seyfried. 
and Jennifer is, you know, the 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 typical hot girl. Um, obviously, Megan Fox is genetically perfect, so it, you know she <laughs> she's the hot girl. She wears, you know, the sort of um, tight clothes and the short skirts, and she's a cheerleader, of course. And needy uh, Amanda Seyfried, who they've like here decided to put like these glasses on her that are too small for whatever reason. <laughs> Like, right, did you notice that? I couldn't, I can't help but notice that every time I watch it. Like, her glasses are just so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's, it might have been the style back then, too. So, anyway, she's, it, Needy is uh, a little more reserved. She's nerdy. She's, you know, um, she wears glasses. She doesn't really put a lot of makeup on. And her clothes are, like, very, much more conservative. And Needy has a boyfriend named Chip who is uh, a drummer, but he's like <laughs> a marching band drummer, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's an important detail. So they're kind of like the cute, nerdy couple, uh, and Jennifer and Needy have been friends since they were small. Um, they do everything together. They go everywhere together. Um, Chip is annoyed by this because he thinks Jennifer is a bitch and doesn't understand why Needy uh, sticks by her friend's side. And uh, so what happens is they go to see Jennifer's favorite band, Low Shoulder, which, listen, I have to commend both the casting department and the costume department for this one because these guys look exactly like every douchebag band you have ever seen in your entire life. And I have met these guys. Like, I I have seen these guys play, and I I have met these guys more than once. And they nailed it. Like, Adam Brody nailed the sort of like emo disaffected snotty yep yeah i mean they're perfectly of that time it's it's (laughs) wild kind of hot but not really but like you don't know why you're looking at them Mm -hmm. and then their song is just like awful um but anyway jennifer they go to this bar to see this band and Um, they kind of the band is like up to something you don't really know what it is but they're looking for they say several times they're looking for a virgin right yeah not not to not to the girls to you know they're discussing to each other yeah yeah so they they target jennifer um and they kind of put a spell on her while they're playing their music and then the bar erupts in flames as a result of this spell that they're weaving and they end up taking jennifer with them to a secluded spot, and their whole plan is they're going to sacrifice a virgin in order to become a big name, to become, like, super famous band. Um, mm-hmm. And so they do. The problem is Jennifer was actually not a virgin, <laughs> and so <laughs> the spell goes awry. Uh, Jennifer rises from the dead. Um, she comes back, and she discovers that she feels really, really horrible unless she just eats boys. And as soon as she eats a boy... <laughs> She's uh, she's back to normal. She feels great. She's invincible. She's indestructible. And everything is right with the world. And so she just embraces it. Uh, Needy, of course, <laughs> does not feel the same way and is terrified of her best friend and is worried for her best friend. Uh, and eventually is worried for her boyfriend, who Jennifer decides is going to make a nice snack. So, um, so that's sort of the meat of the story. Uh one thing that I was thinking while I was watching it is, you know, you've got Megan Fox and she's looking super hot, you know, and she's 
Uh, <laughs> she's after she gets sacrificed after they stab her to death and she rises back from the dead and she shows up at Needy's house. She looks so disgusting and I love it so much. Like, yeah, because I'm imagining that if you're a dude who went to see this movie and you were just like, yeah, super hot Megan Fox naked the whole time. And then you see <laughs> Megan mm -hmm. Fox just like not just covered in blood but like covered in gore and blood yeah. and then ripping a chicken apart with her bare hands yep <laughs> and then throwing up just like voluminous black liquid all over right i feel like you're probably going to be mad about it and so <laughs> <laughs> and but in the meantime like i was like on this watch i was like oh my god this is brilliant i love this part this is yeah. great um so that's one thing i was thinking about uh that i really liked and the other thing that i really liked is um i feel like it would have been really easy for both uh diablo cody and corinne um to make this relationship and the actors themselves make this relationship sort of a typical relationship that you see on screen especially if men direct where it's like Jennifer's only friends with Needy because Needy's the homely one and she needs like an ego boost, right? Right. But I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like, no, they, these women genuinely love each other. And in Needy's case, I think we can all agree that like it goes beyond mm -hmm. <laughs> friendship, but she just isn't like quite ready to admit that or can't yeah. admit it or whatever. But uh, so I think um, I really enjoyed that part. I enjoyed that they were just friends that like, Jennifer is, she's not really a bitch. I mean, after she becomes inhabited by the demon, sure, she's a little bit of a bitch. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, I just feel like, I don't know, she's just being a teenage girl, you know? Yeah. And she's like stuck in a small town and she's sleeping with baby Chris Pratt and like, <laughs> you know, like, um, and a lot of things come easy for her because she's super hot. And yeah. so like, she doesn't have to work that hard. Um, and so, uh, I mean, in some respects, of course, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, I don't know. I just, I just really enjoyed that. What I still don't love is the Diablo Cody special dialogue, um, which, you know, in Juno, it doesn't really bother me. I know people are like, oh, the home skillet line is so lame. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about that. But in this one, I was like, I don't know if I can get behind best friends calling each other like monastet and vagisil mm -hmm. and like you know and like the green jello line or i don't know it smells like thai food in here it didn't bother me as much this time I, and i think it's because like i was specifically looking for um certain things that other people had talked about other people had pointed out online and so i was able to sort of brush that aside mm -hmm. um but yeah, so I I don't know what what things did you did you pick out other th like things this time, Adrian that that you found fascinating that you really liked? Yeah, um, well, speaking, you said something that really like hit for me, which is like Jennifer isn't this kind of like evil, you know, manipulative person. Um, she's just like has it easy because she's a hot girl in a small town and that's b both true and not true. Right. And I think that's, what's so great about the story or how it's like the, the nuance of it, you know, it's written and how, you know, it's written by a woman because it's like, they are friends. It, Jennifer's life is easy, but then even though it is and like in a perfect world, she'd be 
um, you know, even more generous with her time and, and such, you know, there's still the whole line when they're, when uh, Needy's getting ready to go to the bar to see the band is like, you have to dress cute, but you can't dress cuter than Jennifer, even though it's yeah. like, well, Jennifer, like, literally has, it, it is a, looks like a woman, right? I mean, right. obviously the actress is 23, so she wasn't an adult woman, but the point, the idea is in the story, like, she's already matured to this thing. There's no way that her friend would ever look hotter than her, but she still needs to, like, protect that because that's the thing she has, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, I don't know, maybe I, I'm being too generous, but that's that's what's so great is there aren't really, there are true villains in the story, and those are the the bad evil band the satanic yeah. band but everyone else is imperfect mm -hmm. but not evil you know and yeah yeah and so that you feel that catharsis if you were ever the nerdy friend at the end when needy's like you were never a good friend these are all the terrible things you did to me but at the same time as a you know a full adult i sit there and go as she lists off all these things you know or stealing her her toys and all these things it's like oh you know you 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 have more empathy for her because you can read between the lines more. I've read between the lines a lot more with um, how absent their parents were or how involved their parents were. Obviously, it's a teen story, and in a teen story, the smartest thing you can do is get rid of the parents as much as, much as possible and focus on the teens. But there are parents that are around, at least, or that the kids can call on. Um, and Jennifer does not have that. You know, she's the one she, her yeah. parents are not around at all. So you get this idea that it's like, oh, well, she's really hot, and um, everybody, you know, cares what she thinks. You know, she's the main flag twirler, but she doesn't have that support. She has no support, you know? So I don't know. That's like something that really colors how I see it this time around. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then one of the other things that I'm thinking about, because you mentioned this, um, that great, um, that great part where Needy is getting dressed and talking about, you know, gotta look cute, but not too cute or too sexy. I mean, that is true. Like that is like a real thing that, that girls go through when they're coming of age and they're friends mm -hmm. with other girls, you know, that it's, um, you just, there is a pecking order that gets established and we all know it's due to the fucking patriarchy just to throw that back in mm -hmm. <laughs> to this episode, but it's true, you know, that, that, you know, like there's just a hierarchy established. Yeah. That like, you're probably not I mean, I, I feel like I experienced this even into my 30s, that it's just like I knew that I was the girl who would get hit on second, you know, that mm -hmm. I knew that my very beautiful best friend would get hit on before I would and that the men might only come to me if she said no, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and that's um, it sucks, but it's also like sort of just how our society has set things up to be. Yeah. Um. And so I think, like, it feels real to me that mm -hmm. it would be that way. And there's also, like, th th this this time I was really, really noticing Needy's, ex uh, you know, extreme emotions over Jennifer. And yeah. just, like, I think when I watched it the last time, I was like, oh, they're just really good friends. It's so sweet. But this time I was like, no, she is clearly gone for the girl. Like she mm -hmm. is 100% in love with Jennifer. Um, and that doesn't mean that she doesn't love Chip. She does love Chip. Yeah. But I just think like this is a, a girl and a woman who's been in her life since she was small. And 
they know each other's thoughts and they hang out all the time. And this has for Needy grown into something that is beyond what she can handle sort of wrapping her mind around, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is so evident in the scene at the bar when Jennifer reaches her hand over to hold Needy's hand. Yeah. And you can just see like, Amanda Seyfried is like amazing. And you could just see on her face, like how much she is in love with Jennifer and yeah. how she would literally do anything for her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that also extends to, she would literally do anything for her, including killing her <laughs> if right. she has to, because she knows that when Jennifer comes back, she, she's not Jennifer. Like she's not right. Um, yeah. And that, uh, you know, brings us to the infamous scene of Needy and Jennifer making out on Needy's bed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's hot. Like, I'm not going to lie. It totally. is hot. It is absolutely hot. But I do love that we're, like, really getting into the makeout sesh. And Needy all of a sudden is like, whoa, hold on. What is happening? It's like she, even though this is what she's wanted, and even though she's probably been dreaming about this, Mm-hmm. Um, and they even allude to it happening a little bit before. Like uh, Jennifer says that line about how like we can pretend to be boyfriend or girlfriend like we used to or something. Yeah. But, you know, you get the sense that like th- th- hasn't gone this far before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love that Needy is able to recognize in her mind, like, even though this is what I want and even though I have Jennifer here, like it's not her. Like I, this is not her. Right. You know, I need to yeah. break out of this. I need to break myself away from this. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty. That's like, that's why I love it as a metaphor, right? Because it's like in real life, you break away, not because you're the object of your desire, your friend is a demon, but because you can't handle like the reality of what's happening and you need time to process it. But that's like beautiful in a different kind of movie and you see it at like an indie theater and you like stroke your chin and go, yes, yes, the beauty of coming of age but this like cuts through that right and it's like no we have a demon on our hands you know and she's finally she's finally figured out that it's a demon because uh you know if you haven't seen the movie it's not clear what happens to jennifer for a long time until this scene when she fills in after this this very cute and and hot make out you know needy's actually able to get jennifer to fill in the gaps of what happened that night at the bar when she left with the band um but and I love that because you know even if the the name of the movie doesn't really tell you anything like it's clever but it doesn't tell you what kind of movie it is but it's even which after you know Jennifer leaves with the band and then shows up at Needy's house at night and like throws up all this black bile and all of that if you've ever seen a horror movie you already know what's happened and but you don't know how it happened and so that's really what the bulk of the movie is about is about following needy as she tries to figure out what happened and i always love that kind of story if it's done well you know if if what we're trying to figure out is written in a way that feels natural isn't just like the writer hiding information because they don't know how to like yeah tell a story that's that's uh intriguing but diablo cody's great at it so yeah she is, and I uh, I also noticed this time that there are, like, some little hints uh, earlier in the film about what happens later. You know, like, mm-hmm. when they're at the bar and Jennifer's kind of scoping out who's salty. Yeah. Uh, you know, she, Needy's like, God, Jennifer, and Jennifer says, they're just boys. 
they're morsels, you know? And I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, all right. Well, that's going to come into play later. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I also really liked that when, you know, Jennifer is like super confident with uh, baby Chris Pratt. I'm just going to keep calling him that. Baby Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, because I totally forgot he was in the movie until he popped up. I was like, oh, Me yeah. Me too. <laughs> uh, she's super confident with the guys in her town. But when she goes to talk to the band, she is so goofy and mm-hmm. like tongue-tied. Like, she can't even really string together what she's trying to say. She's not cool at all. She's, like, very um, shy, and she's, like, giggling crazily and can't, like, really string her words together. And I I really appreciated that because I feel like that's real also, you know, that she Mm – Jennifer knows her power with these men that she's already slept with. Um, She knows her effect on the men of this town, but these, like, super cool musicians that are from the city, like, she can't gauge how she's affecting them. Like, she doesn't think that she has any power over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, she just wants to be not in that small town, you know, so badly. And what's important, I think, to point out there is because she's tongue-tied and giggly and acting her age and acting, you know, just, you know, how you would in that situation, mm-hmm. the, our bad guys interpret that as her being a virgin. Yeah, totally. And that is significant. That is very significant. Um, I also, uh, there were some lines that I pulled out that I really did like and Mm -hmm. that really point to uh, clues in the story about what this movie is really about, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, fuck the patriarchy. And so (laughs) uh, one of the things is like, you know, when, uh, when Jennifer starts to feel bad about a month after she comes back from the dead. She starts to feel bad. And it's so funny because they obviously tried to make Megan Fox look bad. And she still yeah. looks super hot, even though, like, her skin, like, they've sort of, like, made her skin very pale and mm-hmm. put dark circles under her eyes. Um, but it's, like, Needy asks her if she's PMSing. And Jennifer says, PMS isn't real, Needy. It was invented by the boy-run media to make us seem crazy. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, yes! Absolutely! I love mm-hmm. it. Um, there's also, uh, when she's telling, she's relating the story of what happened to her, um, you see the whole part of what happens to Jennifer when she goes away with this emo band. And you can see Jennifer is like, whatever spell she was under where they got her into the van is starting to wear off. And Mm -hmm. she starts to get scared. And she says, you know, are you guys rapists? And that fucking emo band guy turns around and says, God, I hate girls. You know, it's just like... It's yeah. just such a like, uh, it just like really hammers in that disconnect between men and women and how like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, like he's so annoyed that he thinks that she thinks they're, the guys are going to rape her when actually they're just going to stab her to death in a satanic ritual. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, But really, you know, really what this is about and sort of bringing it back to what I was saying about um, Jennifer having this power and and not having this power and and like the power being problematic, right? Because um, when you're a teen girl and you start to develop and you start to like really realize this sort of sexual being that you are, Mm -hmm. it does feel powerful and it does feel like you're in control and you know what's up and like it's crazy 
Mm-hmm. And it takes you a really long time to realize that it's um, in a lot of ways because of the way society is and because of the patriarchy, it's almost a detriment to you, you know, right. to be this like sexual being um, because in our society, you, you can't be that and not be labeled a slut uh, and not, yep. you know what I mean? Like, it's yep. just like there's oh, there's just so many things that tie into that. You just don't realize it. And so what I think, like, what's really interesting to me is that after Jennifer becomes this demon and she literally starts eating boys, like, she does start to, this is the, like, her being possessed by a demon is the thing that makes her realize, like, oh, like, actually, these men are all terrible, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they're all terrible. And I I am just going to rebalance some power by eating them because like I get something out of it and then everybody else gets something out of it too because then they're not around to be like these terrible douchebags um and the scene with the the super gothy kid um I can't remember his name Colin 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 where she lures Colin to that house um and it's like so well constructed like ugh it's yep. so beautifully shot. It's so beautifully written. But there's definitely, like, it, it is a reverse power situation, right? And it's almost like a reverse rape where yep. she actually says to him as she throws him down and breaks his arm, I need you frightened. I need you hopeless. Which yep. I'm just like, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I just had this realization, like, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, that is what men who are sexually assaulting women like that is their core yeah right there you yeah. know so this um i don't know that scene was just fucking brilliant i and just love it and that's like that's the beautiful metaphor right because it's the, that's the demon inside her you know it's like you can there's different interpretations you can interpret it that like she's like realizing that all these men are scummy or but it's also just this demon needs to feed or otherwise she's going to get sick and not be able to like be happy or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if she could die anymore, but um, unless she's stabbed to death with a box cutter. But um, but that's exactly it. Is it's like that that horrible act that she commits. You know, which is yeah, it's kind of like a a metaphor for a rape. Is that they're feeding on the hopelessness. You know, and it's just that that can't be underscored enough that that's the real goal of you know, that kind of nightmare, you know, yeah. is like, that's, that's the scariest part is that it's, yeah, it's about taking away the hope. Ugh, chilling. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed that I noticed this time, um, during the, the end confrontation where Jennifer has taken Chip and is eating him mm-hmm. in the pool. It's, there's actually graffiti that says hopeless on the side of the pool. I missed that. Ooh, nice. And yeah, and I thought that was really interesting too, that it's like, you know, Jennifer obviously lies to Chip to get him to come with her right. by saying that Needy was having an affair with Colin. Mm-hmm. But he still, be- like, I don't even know if he believes her, but he still starts making out with Jennifer. Like, despite all his <laughs> protestations about her being evil and yeah. despite the fact that he's, like, really in love with Needy, you know, he still makes out with Jennifer he still gets himself into this predicament mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's being eaten <laughs> in the pool um so even the nice guy like cannot resist this this right. demonic possession this type of power yeah. um but yeah I just I don't know I 
I really liked it. I really liked, you know, this, again, this idea that, like, Needy, she is not her, uh, and we're going to have some spoilers here, apologies. She's, uh, she's not just killing, she's not trying to, just trying to kill Jennifer as a means of revenge for killing her boyfriend, although Mm -hmm. that is part of it. It's really tied into her love for Jennifer and her missing this person that she knew her whole life and her realizing that like this is a demon who's like entrenched in my friend right and i can't get her back but i can set her free you know um and you you know you i guess you gotta love diablo cody for throwing one last singer in there (laughs) (laughs) with the she's got needy's got a a box cutter and she says like this is for cutting boxes ha 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 right yeah um so yeah so you know it's interesting and then it you know it carries on a little bit from there like you might expect that the movie would end there but mm-hmm. no uh obviously jennifer's mother catches needy on top of her dead daughter yeah with the box cutter covered in blood and needy ends up in an institution uh which you saw at the beginning of the film you see right. her in the institution at the beginning um, but as it turns out, Jennifer bit her, and so she has a little bit of the demon in her. So she uh, escapes from the mental institution, and that's when you get to see a little cameo from Lance Henriksen, one of my favorite dudes of all yep. time. Uh, and she tracks down that stupid band, Low Shoulder, and kills them all, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> that's great. I love it. And then Me she too. just kind of waltzes off. Um, also, yeah. like, oh, that low shoulder song was just... It's such a nightmare. <laughs> it's such <laughs> a nightmare. It sounds like shit that was out at that time. Like, it really totally does. Oh, it's a nightmare. Also, like, and, and the idea <laughs> that this, like, small town would be so enamored with them, you know, like, yeah. that it's like, they didn't do anything. Um, I love the scene where it's, you know, it's been the month and um, everybody's talking about how what hero's low shoulder is when they didn't do anything, right? They did not save anybody right. uh, from the bar fire. They, <laughs> they, just, they just drove off in their van with Jennifer and sacrificed her, which, of course, people don't know. But right. at this point, the whole town thinks they're heroes because they help save the town. And then there's, like, this great line where the teacher says, uh, J.K. Simmons, who I also love, says, uh, they're donating 3% of the proceeds <laughs> sales and needy just loses it right Needy's like oh what about the other 97 percent um and people get mad at her and like i love it because she's like arguing like that they didn't do anything that that her and jennifer were there that they saw the whole thing and these people are like uh the one girl says needy it's on their wikipedia page Again, sort of like echoing like the, you know, social media and like this idea that like once something is on the internet that it gets there, it's true and it's there forever. Right. Yeah. It's not yeah, made yeah. up. And that's a little echoes the small town vibe too. It was something that mm-hmm. I think we're seeing this year <laughs> a lot. Um, how and why people believe things and like for what reason, you know, and like the this town, I mean, you don't see that they got any sort of like major publicity from this fire and this band but you know there's this kind of echoing like Mm -hmm. reason to get behind them you know and i don't know you kind of feel that with all the um 
hellscape that is politics right now. Where you <laughs> yeah, get totally. on Twitter and you like go to the trending page and you're like, but like, why do you believe that so much? Like, how does it help you? You know, it, it's kind of unknowable, but there's something there. And I, I don't know if it's small towns per se, but yeah, yeah, there's something there. Yeah, I don't know, like having never lived in like a small town, I'm not sure mm-hmm. like how true that is. Yeah, there, there is that scene where Needy says something about how all the news trucks have swarmed in and it's like tragedy. The town is like tragedy porn for them. Right. Um, after the death of the football player. Yeah. So. Something uh, there. Yeah, there's I something just, there. I just love that this whole movie is about two perceptions of virginity or not virginity and the, the the script is written from a place where like teenage girls have sex and it's not bad it's not yeah. evil it's just part of what you do and then there's this other side which assumes so much about the um importance or necessity of virginity for oh, some God, reason yeah. you know and in this movie it's for the sacrifice to a demon but you know it's still just these two warring concepts and or not even concepts uh a conceptual idea of how people should behave and what the importance of it is versus the reality you yeah. know it's not glamorous it doesn't matter it's just a, a thing we all do you know right. and, and a thing we start doing many of us as teenagers yes that's fine you know and i like that because that is that is the the unspoken battle yeah i i really loved the way that kusama uh cut between the sex scene between needy and chip Mm -hmm. and the (laughs) uh the glorious gutting of um colin by jennifer i thought that that was great and it was just like you know it's they're both like they both felt very very real they both felt like things that would happen when you were a teenager you know like yeah one of them is just like two kids kind of trying some stuff you know and <laughs> yeah and uh and the other one is like a woman who is on a mission to get something she wants and she's using all the tools at her disposal to manipulate yeah um the man into into getting that which just happens to be his guts mm-hmm. but <laughs> you know it's um yeah it's just interesting the way that i think kusama and cody cody's script like work with cody's script to kind of create these things that felt very real but that are fantastical but somehow it just like all comes together and makes sense and then just makes you go like oh yeah, yeah. you know like it just feels very um satisfying so, yeah yeah. I would say, speaking of the, like, changing of perceptions with this, I, like I already said, 2009, I wasn't, I was not plugged in. I did not have, well, I think I signed up for Twitter, actually, but, like, I didn't use it. And, like, I remember my college was one of the first ones to get Facebook, and I had a friend who was like, you have to sign up, and I signed up and didn't use it. You know, I was just not connected, so I might just have missed this, but I feel like there's a lot more conversation, especially on Twitter and quote-unquote horror Twitter now, about, like, it's not for you, or it's for me. This is, like, the, the, the yeah. type of movie, and I, I feel like that wasn't as much part of the conversation about uh, films in general or horror films at the time, because, like, Definitely when I not. watch this movie, I'm like, I love it, but I'm loving it through the lens of being 15. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's not actually speaking to me um, 
now in my mid thirties, it's not saying something that I need to think about and examine through metaphor, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but it is something that speaks to me because I lived, you know, the teen girl experience. And I I don't know. So what's, what's your perception when it came out at the time you saw it and reviewed it? Yeah. Was that part of the conversation at all? No. And I mean, and I was, it was not, it was not part of the conversation. And I think like at that time, you know, I still felt, um, very alone as a woman who loved mm-hmm. horror films, you yeah. know? Um, and there just wasn't. There There still weren't a lot of people writing about, a st- still weren't a lot of women writing about horror films. There still weren't a lot of women talking about horror films. Sure. Um, not that I knew about anyway. Uh, and so I think, like, just, like, I probably, I find this really interesting. I find the whole marketing thing really interesting as somebody who works in marketing and in film marketing in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, that I probably let that marketing color me when I went to see it, you know? I probably saw the the super sexy poster of Megan Fox, and I, of course, was aware of Megan Fox because of Transformers, and, like, you know, the, all the scenes of her bent over a motorcycle and her tank top or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. like, I went into this with a perception of, like, oh, it's just Megan Fox. Like, she's just this sexy, you know, there's not much more to her. Mm-hmm. And so I think like that, that and the, the marketing, like marketing it as like, this is just about a super sexy woman. I think that colored my view of it when I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um, and so like watching it now, I can see that that's not true. And I can actually like give Megan Fox some fucking credit for really acting the shit out of this movie. You know, like I feel yeah. like this might actually be like the only thing I've seen her in where she really has some meat to her role and really has some ways she can stretch in it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen her in a few other, you know, I've seen her, I've seen a couple of the Transformers movies, of course. And right. she does not have much to do there. And I've seen her in a couple comedies and she's great and she's funny and she's mm-hmm. just in it for a few minutes, you know? So. Yeah. I, I wish that, I don't know, I almost wish that this had come out now you know, yeah. instead of then or something because I feel like Megan Fox would be um, in a lot more stuff. We would see her in a lot more things. Um, yeah, I just don't, I just can't wrap my head around why some beautiful women aren't allowed to be celebrated. I mean, I, I know she is now, right? Like, we've come out the other side of this, and there are people who are like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah, Megan Fox. But, like, you look at a Charlize Theron, and she's gorgeous, but she's so much more than that because yeah. all beautiful women are more than just how they look. And, like, that seems obvious, and you could say it to anyone, and they'd be like, well, yeah. But then, for some reason, some women are just singled out for simply being beautiful. Yeah. It's so I mean- weird. It's not, you know, and it's not a new thing. I mean, no, 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 of course you not. You know, like Marilyn Monroe obviously yeah. is a huge example of this. Nobody ever took her seriously as an actress. Right. You know? And Even though she, she's so talented. Yeah. And so I, um, which is funny because Megan Fox really uh, loves Marilyn Monroe. And mm-hmm. so like it's, it's, you know, I'm sure she sees something in her that resonates with the way that she's been treated in Hollywood, with the way that she's yeah. been talked to and with the role she's been offered. Um Man, maybe someday we can talk to Megan Fox. That would be rad. Would be oh, my rad. God. I'd love that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, yeah, I think, like, um, also being a Korean Kusama fan, mm-hmm. like, I think now that I've seen The Invitation, which is, like, my favorite movie of hers, 
I love it. Yeah. Um, now that I've seen XX, which I will never stop talking about XX. And if you have not seen <laughs> XX, y'all need to see it like mm-hmm. right now. Um, it's an anthology with four women directors. It's amazing. Uh, you know, now that I've seen more of her work, I feel like I can read more into this work as well. There's mm-hmm. also, there was also, was also a really great podcast on the Shutter Network called She Kills, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. I can only assume because it did not get good, get good ratings. And again, I feel like this ties into the marketing because I never saw it marketed. I just sort of stumbled on it by accident. Right. Um, uh, Corinne Kusama and Emily Deschanel have a, they're in episode one. Uh, Corinne talks about this movie. She talks about Hollywood. She talks about influences. Um, they both talk about, you know, actually the, the thing that I love about that podcast and I, oh, I wish it existed. I wish it was still happening is yeah. that it was just two women. Every episode was just two women talking about the industry, talking yeah. about their work, talking about struggles, talking about the patriarchy, talking about um, just everything really under the sun related to horror films, related to anything about being a woman really. And I think yeah. like, you know, the, one of the things is like, if you read the, some of the reviews, some of the newer reviews, I think people are discovering, rediscovering this podcast now. Yeah. Women are rediscovering this podcast now, which is great. Um, but I, if you, when it came out, I went and read the reviews, never read the reviews, but I read the reviews <laughs> And it was like a bunch of men being like, oh, God, I hate when horror gets political. Now, listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> it is, poli- everything is political. One, uh, are there going to be some films that are just like people being slaughtered with very little to say? Sure. I don't prefer those films, though. Like, those films are not interesting to me. No. Good film and good horror film really make you think about that. They're really saying something else. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay for them to say something else. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But don't presume to tell literally everybody else who likes it that they're wrong or that they don't get it. Right. Um, we talked about this before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But there is nothing worse than people prescribing the genre and, like, like – telling people like no this is a horror film or this is not a horror film um the witch is a prime example of that i I remember when the witch came out i think it's more beloved now but when the witch came out like a lot of people were like oh that was not a horror film that was so boring (laughs) and i was like i was terrified the entire time yeah (laughs) yeah I was terrified for Thomason the entire time, and it wasn't because of the witch, y'all. Right. <laughs> like, That's another one where marketing completely like Botched fucked it. with people. Yeah. yeah, and or you know, shouldn't say that word. I don't know if we we cuss on here. We oh, have yeah. we yet? It's have fine. we? Okay. I marked it explicit. It's it's Perfect. all good. Yeah. Well, they and I I just I'm tired of that. Like I get that they have like a quota and they have, a, you know. A, a boss and there's a CEO being like we have to make this amount back blah 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 but like I watched the trailer for the witch and I was excited for the movie that trailer was telling me about mm-hmm. I saw the witch and I loved it but I actually didn't know I loved it when I left I had to think about it which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a mark of a good movie I think even if you end up not liking it but I, I ended up liking it but I had to like the whole movie part of me was 
having to battle away this expectation that was unnecessary. Like nobody needed to give me that expectation of what type of movie it was going to be. Um, yeah. Which is why I try to avoid trailers now. Um, oh yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, even though I am technically a film critic, I, I hate, I hate saying that. <laughs> I really do. I hate saying it. I don't know why. Um, I don't read reviews of movies that I want to see and I mm. very rarely watch the trailer unless I come upon it accidentally on Twitter or something. Yeah. Um, because I prefer to go into something not knowing very much yeah. about it. Uh, it's just a better experience for me as a film fan. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to know everything about it. I know, I know people who are the opposite. Yeah. I have friends that like literally need to know every detail of the plot, including spoilers before they see the movie. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to talk, we're going to keep talking a lot of, uh, about this on the podcast as well, that it's like, it is whatever you like, it's fine. And if somebody else doesn't like it, that's fine too. Mm -hmm. It's all fine. There's no test. There's no test to being a fan of art. Like, boom. (laughs) And everybody's going to see something different, y'all. Right. Everybody's going to see something different. What you see in the movie is not going to be exactly what everybody else sees. How you connect to it is not going to be how everybody else connects to it. Right. Um we're going to say things that, that probably make you mad. We're going to say things that you don't agree with. Adrian and I are going to say things to each other that we might not agree with, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just, I'm just shaking my head because I'm like, how did we get here where we have to explain this? But I think maybe <laughs> it's always been true. It's just that people now uh, can yell about at each other about it faster and more efficiently. It's always been, yeah, it's always been true. Um, but yeah, I think it's easier for people to, um, with social media, it's way easier to be anonymous, right? And so it's yeah. much easier to, to type something out and post it, tweet it, mm-hmm. Instagram it, whatever, yeah. um, than it is, than it was before for you to say it to somebody's face. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, oh man, you know, and, and like, I, I don't know if, um, like people who are younger, people who are not in my generation or your generation, people mm-hmm. that have grown up with this the whole time. Yeah. I don't know if they understand how weird it is yeah. <laughs> to, people, to people that didn't grow up with this, you know, to... Totally. Um, not that we didn't face the same issues, because we, we did. And, yeah. uh, and as I mentioned before, I think in some ways, in some ways it is getting... I don't want to say easier because that's not right the word, but it's getting better in terms mm-hmm. of, especially in the, in the fandom genre, in the horror genre, it's getting better. It's getting more inclusive. Yeah. Um, it's more accepting. But there are still some things that just remain exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, and this is part of why we're making this podcast because, like, we, you know – there are, I don't even know, literally hundreds of podcasts mm-hmm. with cis white men talking about horror films, and that's great. Yeah. Go to it, men. I have some that I love to listen to. <laughs> there are a handful of other podcasts that are by women. The Faculty of Horror is one of my favorites. I yeah. love it. Uh, and there's also, we have... Our queer friends who are making great podcasts, Gay Lords of Darkness, sh- shout out to Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like and Stacy, we we love them, and we just want to hear more of that. Like, yeah, we want to talk about it. We want to encourage other women to talk about it. We want to talk about it with other women. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's not to say that if you're male, you you can't like engage with us please do but like you know we've heard a lot of what you had to say about it yeah and we've heard a lot about male directors and we love male directors there are a lot of male horror directors we love but we feel the reason we started this is we feel like the women directors are not getting their due they're just not getting enough attention Mm -mm. um and so hopefully our little podcast will introduce you to things you haven't heard about, things you haven't seen before, uh, women directors you haven't heard about before, and just sort of get you out of the the typical path of like what's in the mainstream. We've got a big old list. We have a huge list. <laughs> uh, and obviously like I know a lot of people in this fandom know about Jennifer's body and they know uh, Corinne Kusama and that's great. I love Corinne Kusama as mentioned. Right. Um, but we're going to talk about a lot of women that I think you may have not heard about. Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot more working now. I feel like this year has been great. Uh, the last couple years, actually, have been great for women directors in, in horror films. Yeah. So, but yeah. because of what? Because of the patriarchy. The patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear about them. It's true. Because as hard as it is for indie film directors of any gender to get notice it's way harder for women Mm -hmm. in this male-led industry you know if I was screenwriter I was a director and I was trying to make a film like this then I would almost want to give up because the message that's out there is that you know nobody's ever men are never going to like this film and and the message that's out there is that men are the core audience for horror films, which we know is bullshit, you know? Right, yeah. But it's like, but it's still, that message is still out there. No matter how many women are, are podcasting about it or writing about it or having discussions about it or doing panels about it, the message is still out there that, like, the horror genre is for men. Yeah, It drives yeah. me crazy. It drives me crazy. Yeah. And it drives me crazy that, like, there isn't, like, men can't, like, see a movie like that or like this, like Jennifer's Body, and just be like, okay, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't really like it, but that's fine. Like, why do you have to gatekeep about it? Like, why do you have to be like, I hated it and therefore everybody must hate it? Right. Or at least, like, I I need to make sure that people hear that I, I don't like it and they let that color them you know yeah. so weird yeah i don't know i, I don't know, know. people and then are... it spirals into the whole messaging that we were talking about earlier it like right. spirals out of control into this like horror doesn't need to have a message it's like you know what like have you never seen night of the living dead like have you right. never paid attention to that movie that movie is political as fuck like what are you talking about yeah well and even if it doesn't like so okay, okay so like somebody could start making Movies that are just literally just like sequences of, of chopped up body parts. You don't yeah. think they have opinions in yeah, real life? I mean, like what? It might just be harder to see. Like I'm thinking right. of one in particular that I don't like. But like, you know, like, yeah, but it's just like. As a human, they still have opinions though. And they're, yeah. they have the right to discuss them. Yeah. And they might just like 
they're probably just feeding into this like the idea of the typical horror fan you know yeah yeah um i could talk i could keep talking about this but like <laughs> i'm thinking about like our little horror our little local horror convention mm -hmm. and uh how when i first started attending to it attending it you know it was very white male centered Mm -hmm. And then the people behind the scenes started to try to make it more inclusive and they started inviting more women to panel and inviting more people of color to panel and inviting more queer people to panel. And there was like uproar about it, you know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, why? Because you don't want to share your thing. Like, I yeah. don't like, why? <laughs> and yeah, like, like, how? <laughs> don't come to the panel. Like, yeah, it, yeah, like, what? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's so weird. It's like it it's it just a, the wrong way to look at it. It's not like it's not that you're sharing a thing and thus everybody has less. It's that you're bringing people in yeah. to make it more bountiful. Like you all get more. You know. Like what so. are you afraid of? I guess you're afraid that a teenage girl is going to become possessed by a demon and want to eat you. I, I that's all I can think of. Really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you're afraid of really is that the hot girl that you covet is actually going to trap you and eat your guts. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, I think the real thing, this is my last thought on it is like, um, there's some sort of weird ownership over the feeling you have when you experience that horror. And for some reason that you probably have never examined as the person that doesn't want to share, you don't want them to feel that too. And I don't yeah. know why you'd want that. I don't think people really think it through. Um, yeah, why like wouldn't you like want you something to feel it. good? Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Well, Adrian, thank you for talking <laughs> about Jennifer's body with me. Yes, thank you. Uh, and until next time, what do we say? Fuck, Fuck the, the patriarchy. patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. He says, he says,